The following podcast is an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Rochester, Minnesota. You can find out more by visiting harvestrochester.org. Happy Father's Day. Um, I had the privilege of uh, just happened to be headed to an appointment on Friday uh, and uh, heard on the radio this little blurb about Father's Day and uh, it was a pretty anointed moment for me just to hear the history of Father's Day. So I thought I'd share just a little bit with you by way of, uh, well, it's not even introduction, but just, just to encourage you, okay? Would that be cool? I'd like to be encouraged? Um, you know how Father's Day started? You go look it all up online, you know, okay, but do you know how it started? Anybody know? I thought this was so encouraging. It's so amazing, right? Um, so this daughter, right? This guy had five kids, and it was Mother's Day. And his daughter, I think it was his oldest daughter, said, what about my dad, right? Like, Mother's Day, Mother's Day, right? Like, it was great, but like, like, I don't have a mom right now. I got a dad. What about my dad? He's killing it. He's doing awesome things for God. He's providing for our family. She's a widower. And so she uh, went to her pastor, and they started talking. They came up with this idea to honor her dad. And so they honored her dad. It was in Washington, and that's where it all originated. And uh, they honored her dad, and then it kind of caught on around the areas. And then one president said, hey, we encourage the states to do this. And then in 1972, I think it was Lyndon B. Johnson, check me on that president, uh, he, he was like, from now until forever, the third Sunday of June will be Father's Day. But you got to remember, what it, it came back to honor guys... Okay, this guy, right, on Mother's Day, right? So, hey, it might be Father's Day, ladies, but hey, if you're living for the Lord, we're honoring you today, right? Just want you to know that. And uh, same thing for, for guys, right? Like, maybe you don't have a son or daughter yet, right? It's okay, right? It's still, it's Father's Day. We're honoring people who are living for the Lord, who are doing what God has called them to do. That's what we're doing, okay? So, I hope that helps for all of you, right? Because I know everybody is in a different situation, right? And so Father's Day, a bigger celebration for moms, for dads, for everyone who is under the authority of our Father, right? And who is living for our Father. Let's really celebrate that today, okay? Cool? Just thought that was really encouraging. So, hey, uh, I came to church to finish the Hebrews series. What is it called? I forgot to study that this week. What is it called? Oh, greater. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, greater. So uh, we, we've been in this study since, uh, what was it, uh, Easter? Okay, and uh, Christ is greater, is he not? I mean, have we learned anything about Jesus Christ? I mean, he's greater than angels, right? He's greater than Moses. He's greater than Abraham. He's greater than the high priest. He's greater than, he's greater than everything. He's greater than my problems, Right? He's greater than when I fall away, drift away, doubt, or when I even become dull of hearing. He can overcome all of that. I'm praying that he will today, right? I'm praying that he'll just overcome you and that he'll, he'll do what he can and only he can do. So uh, today it's Father's Day and I thought maybe a good Father's Day uh, title. Uh, no, I don't ba- pick based on Father's Day, but like it happens to be a great passage to, to do that, so... All right, so here it is. You can count on it. 
I mean, Ed, count on it. I mean, you can bank on this. There's not a lot of things you can bank on in your life. But this you can bank on. Like, you can count on this. You can take this to the bank. It's going to happen, right? And uh, before I get started, though, I thought I might just ask you what you're counting on today. Because you came in here, and there's several things that you're probably counting on today. Dads, you counting on anything today? Huh? Come on, I know you're counting on a few. Yeah, my wife's going to serve me. We're going to go out for whatever I want. And then we're going to, I'm going to sit on the couch and do nothing. And it's dad's day. What are you counting on today? Come on now, ladies, men, what are you counting on? Open it up, not just today. What are you counting on in your life? What's that? The deeper walk. Okay, that's great. What else? Health. Counting on health, man. It's valuable. What else are you counting on? Like, I didn't know I have to respond in church. Yeah, yeah, that's this church. You came to this church. What are you counting on? Change and improvement, all right? I want to be different. My job. Yeah, we count on a job, do we not? How about your spouse? Had my 20th year anniversary. Uh, I had. My wife stuck with me for 20 years. Woo! Right? We went and celebrated that. And, uh, you know, it just made me think, right? Like, I count on my wife. She is there. She's always there. I'm grateful for that. I'm counting on that. That till death do us part, right? We're going to be there together. Counting on that. Count on the sun coming up in the morning. Do you count on that? I count on that. Mercy's new every morning, right? Count on the seasons changing. You can count on that multiple times in a day here in Minnesota. I mean, shoot. What else are you guys counting on? Godly friends? R&R? Rest and relaxation. I'm counting on some of that this summer too. All right, well, we'll get into it. Uh, you counting on the Word of God? Yeah, I'm counting on the Word of God to deliver a great message today. But I know something everybody says they're counting on, and uh, this is kind of more worldly, but what are the two things that you can count on? Death and taxes, right? Like, everybody knows that. It's like, death and taxes, they're going to come. It's going to be back, right? Um, so let's count on the Word of God. So let's open up to Hebrews chapter 6. And you can count on the Word of God to fill you up today. You can count on the author of Hebrews to remind us that God made some promises. God made some commitments to his people. Did you know that? Did you know God made some commitments to his people? Huh? Did you know that God made some commitments to his people? Now, if you're one of his people, that ought to jack you up. That ought to make you, like, excited that he promised some things to us. And I've been waiting for this passage for now several months. I just can't wait to get to this, right? God's like, bam, you can count on this. You can count on me. You can count on this. That encouraging? You're going to leave with some strong encouragement today. Let me read the passage. I'm going to start in verse 12, because remember I told you that was kind of the key verse of the whole three messages. Um, so, so that... You may not be sluggish. So remember what we're talking about. I don't want to be spiritual apathetic. 
I don't, I don't want to be like sitting on the sidelines, so to speak, in church. I want to be fully engaged. I want to be on it. But imitators, that's a follower of God, right? Wasn't that our outline? I follow Jesus, right? By faith, fruitfully, or at least faithfully, forever. I'm following him. I'm following him. But imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Now, I think this is interesting. So who by faith and patience inherit the promise. Now, who's he going to talk about in chapter 11? You guys been reading chapters through 13? Yeah? You guys been reading that? This is the last week we're going to read it. Right? Read 7 today, 8, 9, 10, 13 on Saturday, then I'll see you on Sunday for one body, okay? All right? Cool. Cool? All right, so you get to read it one more time and just be really encouraged with what Christ has done for you. But if you've been reading it, you know that Hebrews has a lot of these people that by faith and patience, you know, receive the promise. Now, but who's his primary example? In all of Hebrews, he has one guy that he's like, this guy is the best example. He mentions him 10 times. Who is it? Abraham. Bam. Abraham, all right? So look at the next verse. He's going to give us this illustration. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, surely I will bless. I will bless you, and I will multiply you. And thus Abraham having patiently waited, you'll see that in a second, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves. That's true. And in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, who are the heirs of the promise? Um, an heir of the promise. I don't know if you are or not. I'm praying you will be. If you're not, but I'm an heir of the promise. That's me. I'm in the Bible right there. Bam. And God wants to, he's desiring to show me more convincingly. So I'm, I want to be convinced today to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose. He guaranteed it with an oath. He's like, I guarantee it. Here's an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have a strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, he's going to get after Melchizedek and Jesus Christ's high priesthood in 7, 8, 9, 10, right? We're going to get to that, uh, but we're going to stop here. Someday I'll preach that. It'll be great. You're going to read it this week, right? More understanding, okay? Um, but here in this passage, he just gives us such rich encouragement. These are three commitments that God makes to his people. So before I get started, this is a message to God's people. Are you one of his? Right? He's been all over that, right? Haven't we been over that? Are you drifting? Are you doubting? Are you dull of hearing? Or are you 
in Christ, ready to go, let's go, let's, you know. So he's been kind of trying to get their attention with all these different warnings, like not that, not that, not, no, no, we're right here. And it's like, if you were right here, right, if you're in Christ, regardless of whether you've drifted, regardless of whether you've doubted, regardless of whether you were dull of hearing, if you're listening now, these are three promises, three commitments that God makes to his children. I gotta love that. I love that on Father's Day. I love that God, my Father, is like, you can count on this. You can count on it. Here's the first thing you can count on. God promises to bless. God promises to bless me. A child of God, God promises to bless me through Abraham. Look at it there in verse 13. For when God made a promise to, to who? He made a promise to Abraham, right? But that promise continued. We'll see it in Genesis in a second. He made a promise to Abraham, and then that went to Isaac, and then to Jacob, and then to Joseph, and then all the way through Christ, and then to us. The original promise, though, was made to Abraham. It was made several times. I'm going to show you that from Genesis in a second. But the key is, who made the promise? Who made a promise? What does it say in the text? I know the promise was to Abraham and therefore to us, but who made the promise? God made the promise. Now that matters. That absolutely matters who it was. You know, I've promised some things and I've reneged on those promises. I think I get better at that as I go. Like, I'm not going to say something and not do it. You get it? Um, but that takes maturity, right? Your kids will be like, yeah, dad, I'll do it. And then they don't do it. And you're like, oh, well, you know, maybe they forgot. Right? And then we, maybe you made a commitment last week at church, right? Like, hey, I'm going to. And then it's like, oh, man, here I am again. And I didn't do it. But when God, when God makes a promise, he keeps it. Has God ever promised you something in his word? Or maybe even audibly. That's kind of weird, but it can happen. Cut off a thought in your head. I remember when I was 16, almost 17, he cut a thought off in my head. He said, go love and lead the people of Rochester. I thought I was going to Africa. I gave my life to the Lord that day. Good Baptist kid. Thought I was going to Africa. I was going to be a missionary. And he, God's like, no, love and lead the people of Rochester. I'm like, what does that mean? Right? It's like, well, I don't have a clue. I guess I, guess I go tell some friends about Jesus. Now, this is what he meant. But I didn't know that at the time. So whether he inter interrupted your thought or whether he spoke to you or whether he said some things in his word, that's how God speaks to us more often than not. Has he ever not kept his promise? Has he ever once lied to you? Has he ever once not been good for what he said? And think about it. It matters who's promising, and it's God promising. What's the promise? What do you... You see it there? What's the promise? Had nobody greater to swear by, so he swore by himself, right? Saying, this is the promise. Surely, it's for sure, it's for realsies. This is what's going to happen. Truth be told, I will bless you. I will multiply you. I'm going to do it. It doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend on how good you are or what you bring to the table. I'm going to do it. I love that. I love that. God promises, 
and he promises to bless and multiply. Where do you find this promise? You're like, right there, it's in Hebrews, right? But where did the guy in Hebrews find it, right? Because I'm like, I don't know about this. He's making stuff up. Where do you find it? Genesis. Okay, so let's go to Genesis. Um, Let's go to Genesis chapter 12. This is quoted from chapter 22. But it starts in chapter 12. And I want you to see it. So don't lose me here, right? But Genesis chapter uh, 12. This is where it all starts. Back to the beginning where it all begins. For Abraham and for us. Verse 1, and the Lord said to Abram, his name wasn't even Abraham yet. What did he say? You guys there? What did he say? Go. Go. Imagine that. What did God tell us to do as disciples of his? Go. Go. Hmm, that's interesting. Okay, so go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. What a promise. And I will bless you, and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will not only bless you, but I will bless you to be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. Whoa. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, I want to read that again for you. In you, Abraham, and through you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Does that include you? That includes me. I'm one of the all the families in the earth. Okay? Then we'll read verse 4. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot with him. Abraham was what? 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Okay, great. Look over at, so he's 75, he gets the promise. Okay, now look over at chapter 13, verse 14. And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, so this is the first part of God stripping away some of Abraham's desires, right? To Maybe Lot will be this guy that it'll come through, right? And he says, lift up your eyes, look from the place where you you are northward and southward and eastward and westward. Just look around, bro. (laughs) You know, for all the land that you see, wherever you cast your eyes, I will give it to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also shall be counted. Can, can one count the dust of the earth? I mean, can you count the grains of the sand on the seashore? Have you ever tried that? Yeah, that's frivolous. Don't do that on vacation. That'll really frustrate you. Okay? <laughs> he, he says it's like the dust. It's like the sand on the she- seashore. Can you count it? No, you can't count it. I'm going to make you like that. Uncountable. Innumerable. And this is unchangeable. Right? And so look at... Chapter uh, 15, this is the covenant with Abraham, continued, right? And then Abraham, what does he try to do? Right up here at the top, he's like, hey, uh, since I haven't had a kid yet, so uh, I'm going to um, make Eliezer of Damascus, the head of my house, uh, the heir. And God says, hey, 
God, I love God. God's like, hey, come here. Let me yell at you a while. <laughs> like, come here. You're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you so nicely outside. <laughs> outside. Okay, so here you see it. And he brought him outside and said, look towards heaven and number the stars. If you didn't get the sand illustration, maybe there's not enough sand in this desert. Look up. Okay. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Just think about that. And then he goes on, and you can read the rest of chapter 15, really cool covenant, right? Where he cuts these animals in half, and there's parts on this side, and there's parts on this side. And so normally, back in the day, the two would walk through between the parts of the animals, and that would be the commitment, the blood commitment, right? We're, We're blood brothers. We're like, this is it. Like, we're both in, right? But in this instance, just just take it. In this instance, what you have is you have God walking through and Abraham's watching. He's in a daze over here and he's like, what's going on? It's crazy. And and God's like, no, I'm doing this. I got both halves, bud. Like, I am doing this, right? You get it? I'm the promise and I'll keep the promise. I'm the giver of the promise and I'm the guarantor of the promise. And then you look over at uh, chapter 17. I'm belaboring this, but it's kind of fun to see from Scripture, right? How God keeps his promises. Chapter 17, when Abraham was how old? 99 years old. Hey, you're probably never going to see that. Hate death and taxes, they're coming. You can count it. Like, that's just true. Like, I hope I don't make it to 99 unless God allows. All right. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, right? I am, the, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make a covenant between you and me. And, and the covenant he makes is what? Circumcision, right? And they're like, what, what? And it's an everlasting covenant and it's an everlasting possession. So it's a covenant to him, but it's also a land agreement to him. And then you come down and at the end of chapter 17, uh, Isaac, right? You're going to call his name Isaac and there's going to be this son And then, flip over, chapter 21. Chapter 21, verse 5. Here it is. Abraham was, how old? 100 years old. What? Then, his son Isaac was born to him. And you're like, man, we're through chapter 21, and you haven't even gotten to where you said it was from. That was in chapter 22 when he promised it, right? Isn't that what I said? He's quoting chapter 22. So flip over to chapter 22. So Abraham, even after obtaining the promise, still drifts, right? And, and even when we drift, and when we be like, I don't know if God really promised. I don't know. Or even if we see a little bit of the promise fulfilled and we're like, then we set our hope on it, right? We set our hope on the promise rather than the promise giver, right? And I'm like, God said, and here it is, and woo, woo. Just think about those that want to have kids, right? And there's that promise, and, and God wants to multiply. He wants to bless me, and, and I can't wait. And then once you have a child, will you set your affection on the child or on the God who supplied the child? right? Just that's a good reminder for us. And Abraham kind of went a little sideways on that, so God gave him a little test. 
God's like, oh, you love your son more than me? Let's have a little test. And so what did God tell him to do? Tell me, tell me. I forgot to study this part. Okay, so he comes and he says, hey, I want you to sacrifice your son, your only son, Isaac. It's like, what? Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, that's one of the issues, and go to the land of Mori and, and offer him there as a burnt offering. Can you imagine watching your son burn? Dads, can you imagine being the person that killed your son and then watching him burn? I cannot imagine. There is nothing Nothing fathoms that. Matter of fact, I think that's why I'm preaching today is because I don't want any of the children in my body to burn, right? I don't want that. And I'm not going to sacrifice you on that for sure. Please don't sacrifice yourself that way. It gets over. Look at verse 15. Uh, The first time the angel talks to me, he says, stop! (laughs) Don't do it. I know you're serious. You're following me. Good job, all right? But then the second time he speaks to him, look at verse 15. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord. Who swore? Who's the one making the promises around here? Steve isn't making the promises. Your small group leader's not making the promises. The elders aren't making the promises to you. God is the one promising you a blessing. Now just think about that. It's God. I myself have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. He just fulfills them both. Back to Hebrews. Hey, if you're sitting here, and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, right? As your Lord and Savior. I'm just going to say this to you. God's promising you the same thing. You just need to embrace it. What he's saying is, Abraham, you embraced me. Abraham, you believed in me. It was counted as righteousness to you. Who do we believe in to count as righteousness? We believe in Jesus Christ. His blood covers our sins, right? It's in Jesus that we are blessed right? God, first, first and really cool commitment God made to you. God promises to bless you, to bless me, and it all comes through Abraham. Have you received the blessing? Fathers love to bless their kids. Father God would love to bless you today. Have you received that blessing? Have you put your faith in Christ as Savior? Back to Hebrews. Some real encouragement here, and I want to encourage one another with this. Um, So I want to just end this series. It's been such an encouraging series. Hard at times, but such an encouraging series. So just, just call out to me some of the promises that God's made to us. Go ahead. Encourage me. Some of the promises all over the Bible that God has made to us. Go ahead. There you go. Eternal life. What are some of the promises God, what are you holding on today? What are you like, man, I'm holding on to this promise. Ah! He's faithful. He's steadfast. Mercy. 
What else? He's going to complete what he starts. And what? He'll provide a way out of sin. He always does when you're tempted. These are promises. I wrote down a few. Just want to keep encouraging you. Uh, God promises salvation for all who believe in Jesus Christ. I was just talking about that. Romans 1.16. God promises comfort in our trials. Anybody in a trial? Come on now. Anybody in a trial? I've been, I've been in a trial. <laughs> I'm going through a trial again. They don't go away, do they? He promises comfort in our trials. First, our 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4. And God promises peace when we pray. Did you know that? More prayer, more peace. Maybe more prayer down here, right? More prayer, more peace. Philippians 4, 6-7. And you know what? Je- uh, Jeremiah 33, 3 promises to answer too. He promises. God promises to supply our needs. Philippians 4, 19. He promises to supply our needs. And God, Matt said, he promises to finish the work he started in us. Philippians 1, 6. Did you know Jesus, when he was on the earth, promised rest for you? He promised new life. He promised abundant life. He promised eternal life. He promised the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And he promised to come back and get you and to take you from this life. That's just, ah, just gets me so excited. This is what God has done for us. Be encouraged. All in his word. This is a great reason to read his word, isn't it? It just encourages us when we see the promises of God's word. But maybe you're here and you're saying to yourself, I'm still waiting for God to keep his promises to me. I'm still waiting. Well, this next verse is really, really important. Verse 15. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, I underlined that in my Bible. I think that's a really good thing for us. Having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Now, I know my Bible, and if you've been uh, reading, right, ahead, you've read chapter 11. Uh, So it's conflicting to me, right, because I'm like, obtain the promises. No, he didn't. It says in Hebrews 11, he didn't obtain the promises. But the promise it's talking about here is Isaac. He obtained Isaac. How long did it take him? Let me see, 75, 100, that's, uh, I got to get my shoes off. Um, I need another hand. 25. Thank you. Whew. All right. I need a calculator next time. I'm going to do that. See, 25 years he waited for Isaac to be born. God promised, God delivered, and he saw his grandchildren, but just two. And that was it. And if you've read Hebrews chapter 11, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. There's more to come, is what he's saying. And he wraps up Hebrews with the more to come. Who is it? Jesus Christ. For us, there's not a lot more to come. He's coming back, but are you ready? That's, what he, that's where we're at. He promises. 
You say, well, I don't know about these promises. I am still waiting. Well, you know what? Abraham waited 25 years and he obtained the promise in Isaac. Let me just say, unless you've been waiting 25 years, and even if you have, wait patiently, persevere, endure. God keeps his promises. You can count on it. Right? Is that clear? Point one. God promises to bless you, me, through Abraham. All right, point two. Second thing, second commitment that God makes to his people. God guarantees my inheritance through the Holy Spirit. God guarantees my inheritance through the Holy Spirit. Verse 16. For people swear by something greater than themselves. Is that true? Huh? You're still writing down the point. Right. People swear by something greater than themselves. Is that true? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I was thinking about that this week. And it's Father's Day. And I kind of miss my daddy. So that made me think of this. Back when I was on the playground, when I was a kid growing up, faith church, somebody would give me a hard time. Somebody wouldn't leave me alone. I'd just say this. You better leave me alone or I'm going to talk to my dad. And you know what my dad's going to do, right? <laughs> I promise you, my dad will fill in the blank, right? And then what would they reply? Yeah, well, my dad, you know, my dad, you know, and dads, you need to know how important you are to your kids. I mean, they're like, they're like representing you on the playground, like you're like a giant, like you're Goliath. Right? And you could take anybody. Isn't it true? People swear by something greater than themselves. I used to do that with my dad. My dad's going to ring you out, man. I swear by my dad that he will come here and he will take you out. I, I miss him. And uh, in all their disputes, I love how he uses the word disputes because he's being relevant to their situation. They're in a dispute right? Remember, they're under persecution. They're facing hostility. They're like getting thrown into the courts and they're like trying to judge these people based on Christianity, right? And they want to go back to Judaism, right? That's what this whole book is about. Don't stop now. Don't go back. Don't, even if they throw you into prison, even if you die, even if it doesn't matter, don't stop now. And I love how he uses that word in all their disputes, even in this dispute that we're having where I'm trying to teach you, the author says, um, an oath is the final, is final for confirmation. Is that true? You ever been in a court? What do they do? Right? Put your hand on the Bible and what? I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. I'm swearing by God, right? Isn't that what we do? A lot of times we like, I swear to God. I don't think you should do that. Matthew 5 is pretty clear you shouldn't do that. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no, okay? 
But God can swear on stuff. He swears on himself. That's who he's swearing on. That's why he can do it, because he will complete it. And uh, so he gives us this great example in verse 16, but then he's setting us all up for verse 17. Do you see verse 17? So when God, so, so it's all, you, it's, it's an argument from lesser uh, people, right? We're lesser than God. He's greater. It's an argument from lesser to greater. When, when, and Hebrews, the guy that wrote this, he does this a lot. So he's like, hey, people do this. And when God desired to do the same thing, you know, he desired to do it more convincingly. So God desired to show you. Aren't you glad God has some desires? That he's passionate? Aren't you glad that he wants to show you some things? Are you listening? And he wants to be really convincing in it. More convincing than ever before. And so in that vein, he says, I want to convince, look who he wants to convince. To the heirs of the promise. So I want to convince the people who are elected, who are predestined, who are foreknew. I want to convince the people who are supposed to be convinced. I want to convince the heirs of the promise. Are you listening? Can you hear me? I'm talking. God's like, are you convinced yet? And when I want to convince the people, the heirs of the promise, of the unchangeable character of his purpose... He guaranteed it. That's a really key phrase because that really unlocks what this verse is about. With an oath. What's the oath? I studied and studied and studied and studied. I'm like, what's the oath? I've got to preach this. Right? Like, the oath. What's the oath? I know what the promise is. It's to Abraham. What's the oath? A lot of people say it's the other side of the, the coin, right? So, so he promised, but then he kept his promise, so that's two sides. It's the covenant thing, right? I said I would do it, and I'm going to do it. I'm the giver and the guarantor. Bam, you got both. Two unchangeable things. Both God, right? But I want to o- open this up a little bit more than that for you. So, so here's the deal. Who is the guarantee? That's what really is the key. And what is the purpose of God exactly anyway? It's unchangeable. It's immutable. It's God's purpose. It's his character. He can't lie. He won't change. But what is it? So God brought a verse to mind. It's on the screen. Ephesians chapter 1. This will make it all make sense right here. I'll just read it for you. Be blessed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, has he not, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose, did you know he chose me? Even as he chose us, did he choose you? In him, Jesus, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, did you know God loves you and he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ? according to the purpose of his will. Oh, what's the purpose of his will? To the praise of his glorious grace. He wants to bring glory to himself, yes. With which he has blessed us in the beloved, that's Jesus. In him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses. Do you need that today? I do. 
I need blood to wash me clean. I need the forgiveness of my sins, the trespasses, and I have it by God's grace. According to the riches of his grace, which he, I love this word, lavished on us. I mean, it wasn't just like one cinnamon roll this morning. My kids were like, Dad, have another, have another, have another, right? He's like, hey, hey, I've lavished this on you. Have you felt the love of God in that way? Which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us. Did he make known to you anything? Did he give you the Bible? Do you read it? Making known to us the mystery of his will. Okay, the mystery of his will. We're getting closer. According to his purpose. Hey, that's what we were looking for. So the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, it kind of lines up with which... He set forth in Christ, okay, so it's something about Christ as a plan. All right, tell me already, right? I mean, I got a mystery, I got a purpose, I got a plan, I got Christ, it's all there, like, what is it? I'm like, come on! For the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and earth, I'm like, tell me already! I want to know. Here it is. In him, that's Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance. Do you see it there? Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Who works in us? God does through his Holy Spirit. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. It's a lot about glory here. In him, Jesus, you also When you heard the word of truth, have you heard the word of truth? Have you heard the promise today? Have you been told anything by Jesus Christ? Yeah, you have. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, what does it say? We're sealed. That's the oath. We're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee, there's that word, of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. I mean, it's all about God's glory, right? But what brings God more glory than bringing us to be heirs, bringing us to the inheritance? That's what God brings glory to himself with. He is, the purpose of God is to bring you into a, an heirship, to bring you into being a child, to adopt you into his family. That's what his purpose is for you. His purpose is to be in relationship, to community, and to fellowship. That you would be a son and daughter of his. That's the purpose. And it comes through the word of God, and it comes through the spirit of God. These two things are so important. Back to Hebrews God guaranteed it. God guaranteed it with an oath. He brought about the agreement. He promised and he signed it. He stamped it. He sealed it. He's like, it's done. It's finished. God did it. God brought Jesus Christ into this earth to live a sinless life, to pay your payment, right? What you owed, death. And he died for you. And he was buried And after three days, he rose from the dead. 
And then not only that, but in John 14, Jesus said, I promise to send you a helper. Did you know that? I promise to send you a helper, Megan. You know what? The Holy Spirit's going to come and dwell with you, inside of you. And I and the Father are one, and we're going to come make our home through the Holy Spirit in you. He's in you. You're the temple of the living God. Bam! I mean, there's so much that God's committed to you. He's, maybe we could say he's overcommitted to us. I think he overextended a little bit. But he absolutely guarantees my inheritance through the Holy Spirit. Do you get that? He guarantees it. He guarantees I have eternal life. I love that. I love that. Then this third thing, verses 18 through 20. God promises to bless me through Abraham. God guarantees my inheritance through the Holy Spirit. And God anchors my soul through Jesus these two unchangeable things. Do you see it there? So that by two unchangeable things, in which it's impossible for God to lie. What are the two unchangeable things? The promise and the oath, right? The promise and the oath. What's the promise? I'm going to make you great. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to, all nations of the earth will be blessed through you. How is that possible? Only through Jesus Christ. So it's the word of God. It's the son of God. It's Jesus Christ. Who's called the word? Jesus is called the word, right? And then the oath, right? The oath that he set on us, the seal, the, the, the guarantee, the second unchangeable thing. The Holy Spirit doesn't change. You have Jesus Christ and you have the Holy Spirit and God won't lie. And he's like, bam, you have these two unchangeable things, the promise and the oath. I love that. God anchors my soul through Jesus. You have these two unchangeable things. God can't lie. And then he goes on. He says, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Seems like he has a past reference, a present reference, and a future reference here. Do you see in that? He has the past reference. Here's what we used to do. We who have fled for refuge... In the past, something happened to me as a believer. You want to know what happened to me? My eyes were open to the fact that I'm a sinner. And worse yet, this word refuge, this word refuge is used of Old Testament. Deuteronomy 35, uh, I think it's, uh, no, num Numbers 35, Deuteronomy 19, and Joshua 20. These are all references to cities of refuge. And a person could accidentally, not on purpose, but accidentally murder someone. Okay, it's called manslaughter. Okay, I pushed something, you were on it, and you fell off, and you died, and I was like, oh, what happened? I could run to that town, right? If I, it wasn't on purpose, if I didn't intend to murder you, I could run to that town, that city of refuge, and the elders would, would hold court, right? And I could say, this is what happened, and I didn't mean to do it. And, and they would decide whether it was punishable by death, right? Because if you murdered somebody, you were, going, you were going down, right? But if it was an accident, then what happened? Then you could stay in the city of refuge until the high priest died. And then you could go home, and you were okay. Okay. 
You get all that? It's just kind of a long convoluted story for this. We have fled from our sin of murdering Jesus Christ. Did you know that? Did you know that you're a murderer? Did you know that you hung Jesus Christ on the cross? Your sin put him up there? Did you know that? If you didn't know that before, you should know that today. Because that is where saving grace comes in. When you understand you need a savior, then you grab him, you run to him, okay? And he's saying it in past tense because he's talking to believers. We've run, right, to refuge. I've left my sin behind, the sin of even murdering Christ, hanging him on the cross. And then in the present, this is what it is, that we might have strong encouragement to hold fast. I'm trying to give you that today. I don't know if I can give it to you. I'm, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit, that, that Christ in his words, that, that God Almighty in his providence will give you strong encouragement today. Fast. I don't know what you're going through. I didn't get to talk to everybody where they, before they came in. But I know this life's not easy. I know that. I know it has pitfalls. I know it has struggles. I know it has storms. I know it has seasons of life. I know there's times where we have to wait patiently for the promise that's going to come. Right? I know it. But in the moment, in the present, right now, this is strong encouragement to you to hold fast as you wait. Be encouraged. God keeps his promises. You can count on it. And then the future. Do you see it there? The future. The hope set before us. The future. The hope set before us. Well, he goes on to explain what the hope set before us is, and he's been talking about it, and he's going to keep going on to talk about it, but here's the little synopsis right here. We have this as a sure hope and a steadfast anchor hope of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. You're like, what is he talking about? Inner place behind the curtain. Well, there's been all these Old Testament references because they're Jews, right? The high priest could go back behind the curtain once a year to sacrifice for all of the nation. And now he's saying, you know what? You have an anchor. You're tied in. Do you know what they used to tie on to uh, the high priest? He used to tie a rope on him. Why? He did something wrong. He died. That's how serious it was. Death was on the line. And so they would pull him out if he died. Think about it now. I'm tied to a rope. And on the other end is something. What's tied to your end of the rope? Think about it. It makes all the difference in the world. What's anchoring you? What's tied in? Supporting you. You know, as your senior pastor, as we walk off of Christ the cornerstone and that we need to stand on the rock and all these different things, I got to tell you the best illustration, the best example I can say is um, on the other end of this red rope is Jesus Christ. And he's not down here somewhere. He's in heaven, 
interceding for you. That's where I'm anchored in. I'm anchored to heaven. I'm tethered to heaven. Nothing can cut this. Nothing could sever this. Nothing could keep me from him. I'm tied into him. So I may fail here and I may die. No, I am going to die. That's one of the two things we said, right? Death and taxes. I am going to die. But you know what? When I die, he's pulling me home. He is pulling me home. I'm going to heaven. He's going to bring me with him because it depends on him, not me. Do you understand that? It depends on him, not me. I love it. He's entered into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as the forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. These simple commitments God's made to you that will blow your mind. God promises to bless you. He promises it. Are you listening? Will you accept the blessing? Do you have a dad? Everybody has a dad, right? Don't you want so badly for your dad to say, well done, Michael. Well done. You did it. Good job. Yes, I'm proud of you. You're my son. God says he'll do that. All you have to do is accept the blessing. It doesn't even depend on your merit. It really only depends on a simple choice to accept him. Then God guarantees your inheritance in heaven through the Holy Spirit. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Nobody can snatch you out of the Father's hand, out of the Son's hands. Nobody. Do you understand that? Does that give you confidence? Because that is a strong encouragement to me today. And then God anchors my very soul, right? Kind of the intangible part of me, the part that's never going to die. Once I die physically, my soul is going to live forever, right? And God anchors that, my soul, because I'm a child of his, to heaven. It's anchored to Jesus Christ. I can't explain this passage or, or the gospel any better than that. That's it, right? So the question is, not if God's committed to you, because truly he is. You can count on it. He's committed to you. The question, the really good question right now is, are you committed to him? Are you committed to him? I mean, not like he's committed to you. He's overextended. But just, just like take a simple step, just a little bit. Are you committed to him? Maybe that step for you is salvation. I just need to accept him by faith. I need to say I'm a sinner because I am. And I murdered Jesus Christ. And I need refuge. I'm running to that today. Right? Maybe, maybe it's baptism. Maybe it's just the act of telling others that I am a believer. And I do believe in Jesus Christ. We're going to have water next week. You come. Get ready. Write your down your testimony. This is what I was like before Christ. This is when I met Jesus Christ. And this is what's going on now. I want to be baptized to show y'all that I'm his. Great. Do it. Right? Maybe that's your next step. Just a little bit. Right? I'm not, actually, I'm not asking you to commit like God committed to you. He's well into it beyond where you're going to be.
ever. <laughs> but maybe it's to the church. Maybe you just need to commit to a local church. Maybe you need to commit to being at church every week. Maybe you need to commit to serving. Maybe you need to commit to small group. I don't know. There's all these different commitments you can make. But with God being so committed to us, we got to commit to him. I got to commit to him. I got something in me says, I got to take another step towards you, God. I got to commit to you just a little bit more this week. It's scary. I know it's a faith walk. I'm going to do it. Ah, I'm going to tithe or I'm, I'm going to do something to commit to you, God. I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus Christ this week. I'm committed. I pray that that would be so. Let's pray. Oh, Lord. Truly, I've lost myself in your word. And I guess it's not a bad thing. I'm, I'm relishing it. Your word is faithful, and it's true, and it's, above all things, committed. And we're grateful. God, you're so committed to us. You promise to bless us. Your guarantee for our inheritance, your anchor of our soul. Thank you for the gifts of Abraham, our forefather, of the Holy Spirit, our guarantor, our seal, and of Jesus, our Savior, who is anchoring us to heaven even so right now. God, I pray that we would commit in some way, some shape, some form, because you're so committed to us. We love you. We love your son, Jesus Christ, who shows us what you're like. We commit afresh today to follow you.